Welcome along to this week's edition of Behind the Boxes. I'm Mark Dukos. We've got a big show coming up today. We're going to meet Georgia Howard and her dad, Rob, who uh, Georgia's a young lady who's just made her way into the training ranks, doing great things at the moment. Uh, we're also going to talk with Nick Bobos and Stephen Bowes from Greyhound Racing New South Wales. We'll talk to Nikki about the Phoenix and Greyhound Racing New South Wales earning a slot in that race, which comes up at the Meadows in December last year. It's been a big week of uh, Greyhound Racing. We've got all our regular segments as well coming up later, including What's Hot, What's Not, and the ever-popular rumour file. Good morning and welcome to my old mate, Timmy the Battler Newbell. How's week 127 of lockdown going, mate? Yeah, g'day, Duke. Well, we're counting down the days until we get out of it, uh, that's for sure. But yeah, not a great deal happening. Just uh, work-wise, we're always busy uh, at Greyhound Racing New South Wales and, you know, everything changing here and there along the way. Uh, there's been plenty of great racing over the last uh, week or so, Duke. We'll get into that a little later on, but... Yeah, I think we've got an exciting, you know, six to 12 months ahead of us uh, with some of these young greyhounds coming through the ranks and, and really stepping up. And as I said, we'll touch on that a little later on. Yeah, we will. Track records uh, have been falling. As I said, it's, uh, we're, we're into spring now, so uh, the tracks are getting faster, obviously, but uh, we'll talk about those track records in a little bit later. But training greyhounds is often looked upon as being for someone, well, how do I put it, of a more mature age, like myself, Battler. But when a young person comes along and has success, it always piques the interest. Now, one young lady who's doing that at the moment is 18-year-old Georgia Howard, who has got a family steeped in greyhound racing. Georgia and her dad, Rob Howard, join us on Behind the Boxes today. And I guess it's one thing, Georgia, to have a family involved in the industry, but when did you actually realise that you really wanted to become involved and become a trainer? I was about probably eight-year-old when I first um, owned my first greyhound, Zipper, and she ended up winning about 19 races. And, yeah, the love of the sport started from there and plus all the family members that had greyhounds and were involved. So, yeah, it's just been a continuing stream of love for the sport, really. And Georgie, your dad Rob sitting uh, next to you there. You, you guys, you train out of you train out of mum and dad's property uh, in the beautiful Hunter Valley. Uh, uh, you operate the uh, Kind Bar Straight Track there. Um, just tell us about the property. Well, how many kennels? What is the setup you, you, you've got there? Yeah, we're sitting on about seventy acres of land here, but the four hundred metre straight track. There's three different sets of yards split up with um, all our pups. They go from three to four months in one area, then I think about five months to nine months in another, and then 10 months onwards are in a much bigger yard uphill where they can get some fitness going before they start coming into the kennels and getting ready for breakers. And then we've got the undercover set up and I think there's about 25 kennels we've got here and we mainly use about 20 of them. So I think there's about 16. 17 yeah, in work? 16 in work and just have a spare couple of kennels in case something's got to come in out of the yard to hurt themselves or, you know, it just needs a bit of treatment or a bit of a week locked away or anything. But, um, yeah, we try and keep it down to, oh, Georgia's here at the moment before she seeks a bit of going into the workforce. So she's sort of putting a hand in it so we can keep those few more in work at this time. But if she when she's not here, I tried to get down to about 12 in work, which, you know, Tina and I can handle. So... Yeah, at the moment it was about 16 in work, so 
But yeah. I think I've got about five in the kennels. Oh, four now. I've just sent one to Capalaba to start racing up the drag. But yeah, so four in work for me. Georgia, you had a start to your training career that uh, most people only dream of. And from your first three starters, you had two winners. Did you ever dream that you would have such a great start to your career? Oh, definitely not. You can always dream and hope for it, but I didn't think it happened. I've been pretty lucky with like a couple of the dogs that I've got. They've got a little bit of ability. And at the moment, they're able to win their fifth grade races and that, but it's going to be a lot harder once they get up into a bit more grade. Yeah, but I'm a bit hard on myself and I was pretty disappointed with my first start when he comes second. As soon as I seen him in the lead, I thought it was going to be all over. But, you know, he caught up with a bit of an injury and then three weeks later, I was able to go bang with two winners after that. You're a little hard on yourself, uh, Georgia. Uh, Robert, I, I guess you know, Georgia would have, would have been a thrilling day for her, but I'm sure you and Tina were uh, elated with that, that day when, when she did get that winning double. Yeah, I think... Timmy, I think uh, I sort of a bit more nervous than what George was, uh, you know, watching from the from the, the Maiden Straight. And, um, yeah, it's a good thrill and it gives you a bit of a buzz. Like any winner, it doesn't matter where you win a race at, whether it's country track or straight racing or anywhere, is a thrill to win a race anywhere. But the biggest thrill you get out of it is actually, you know, we breed and rear and, and um, you know, pre-train, educate, and then we race our own, which is the biggest thrill you get a bigger thrill out of that than actually train. We don't train dogs for other people other than Ross Penowitz. He's, uh, he's been a very close friend to our family, you know, for a lot of years. And he's a good businessman with Husky Demolition. And um, he's, he's supported us right through. And, mate, he's, he's one of the best owners you could have. He, he never interferes. You know, he's always there if you need a handout or a lending hand or any, you know, he'll say... Um, you know, what dogs have you got there? You know, do you want to, I'll, I'll come out and I'll buy one and you train it and, and things like that. Just little things and no pressure, you know what I mean? It, the worst thing in grand racing, if, if people, if some people try to put pressure on you, and as I said to George, it's just patience. Don't, don't overthink things. Just, just take it as it comes. Don't look too far ahead these days. Uh, I'm going back <laughs> when I was younger with, uh, when I was knocking around with Macca and uh, Maxie Holmes was actually training one of Macca's dogs at the start and his father Frank Holmes was alive and he always said look son he said uh, you're, you're the trainer but the dog's the educator you watch and learn off your dog he will tell you how to be trained how he wants to be trained whether he likes to be fresh work hard or whatever and, and, and to this day you know it's never true words and even Dave Irwin I've always been a big influence with Dave Irwin. He's been a mentor to me and I've, I've watched the way he trains and his dogs race. And his father, Jack, was alive back in the wild days. And, you know, he used to talk to you and he'd say, son, you know, you're doing the right thing. Or, you know, with young dogs at Wyong, we used to always start our young dogs at Wyong up and straight. And that's what we dearly missed until Richmond's come along, which has been terrific. Yeah, I concur with you there, Rob, about uh, Dave and Jack Irwin and when I was training back in those 70s and 80s, Battler, if you had a dog in at Wyong on the Saturday and you looked through the fields and you found out that Dave Irwin had one, uh, yeah, you weren't very confident at all. No, but, he was uh, tough enough to crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And you're right, Robbie. He does a great job and he's, he's long been revered as, a, as one of the best musclemen. Uh, he obviously yeah. inherited that from Jack. Um, yep. But, Georgia, you mentioned you've got around five dogs in work at the moment for yourself. One of them 
is a, a young pup by the name of Doing Time. Unfortunately, he got beaten at uh, Bulleye on Saturday night, but he's run 24.94 at Maitland. What's your plan with him? Is it just to take him through the grades? He's, he's uh, by Aston DB out of Wee Chevy. What are your plans with him? Yeah, so um, Doing Time, he, he's a little bit of a, um, a handful. You stand him for a race and then he might race at Bulleye. Um, we arrived, well, we arrived at the track and we are saddened by the news that um, my grandmother had passed away. And um, I think I put him in the boxes and he actually, he's always head straight down and he actually looked up and kind of looked at me. So I'd, I, he must have sensed the, um, obviously the distress that I was in and yeah, we ran ran a race that he was a bit lost, and then as he come around the home turn, he started to power home. But I've completely wiped that, so I'm trying something a little method that I might um, have figured out with him. But yeah, he's he's got ability. And Georgia, apart from mum and dad, are there are there any other trainers who have had a big influence on your career and have you know given you a few little training techniques along the way? Yeah, well, um, one trainer that I've always watched is um, Frank. Hurst. I love what he does with his dogs and I think I first met him at I've met him once and um it was actually at Richmond I handled zipper by two for the win and I come up and dad was sitting there talking to a few people and Frankie was sitting there and I ended up sitting down and I didn't know what he looked like at the time I just knew of him and the dogs like Goodot's rider and all that going around and um we got chatting away and he turned to me and he said oh that dog likes you better than your dad and I started <laughs> laughing and um <laughs> We all got talking and then everyone left. Sacked. Yeah, you got sacked. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, um, everyone left. And I turned to Dad. I said, who was that? Well, that was sitting next to me. And he said, that's Frank Hurst. And I said, good old Tarada, Frank Hurst. And he said, yeah, the one and only. I said, oh, my God, I'm like an idiot. <laughs> and then, um, but Pete was good um, with me and just there for encouragement as well. And he was actually another similar story. I first met him at... Gosford, I was getting the unplaced prize money and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, when are you going to send me that good dog of yours? Because I had zipper shoes going around. Dad was racing him and he ended up knocking him off in a race over the 500 at Gosford. I think it was it that night or? Yeah, that night. Yeah, that night. And he turned to me and he said, when are you going to send me that good dog? And I didn't know who he was. And I turned to Dad, I said, who is this bloke? And um, <laughs> Dad's like, that's Gianni. And I said, oh my God, I feel like more of an idiot. But, um, yeah, but ever since, Ever since then, he's he's been great support and um, actually doing time. He was we used to own him, and um, Ross ended up offering some money. And there was two people that I called. One was my grandmother um, to get some advice on whether to sell the dog, and the second person was Peter Bogiani. He um, gave me some advice on what I should do, and I was a bit stuck. And yeah, I ended up selling him to Ross. But if anyone else offered me any money, the dog wouldn't have been sold. And he was sold on one condition that he'd stay here in our kennels and yeah, but he's been good support. Georgia, the golden Easter egg has long been the Holy Grail in New South Wales. It's been replaced by the million dollar chase. If you could visualize standing on the winning dais of any race in Australia, particularly more so in New South Wales, which is the race that you would love to win the most? Yeah, obviously your million dollar chases and all those big races are um, on your list, but the one race that I would love to um, win is the Macca. And obviously you'd, um, you'd want to win a blacktop, but the Constellation final was named after my late uncle, John McDermott. And yeah, that would be a privilege to once win that. 
so yeah make him proud I've known you for a long time, uh, Georgia, through my association with Macca, and uh, you spent many, many days and nights up in the broadcast box with Macca and all the tracks around the Hunter Valley and uh, and in Newcastle and Central Coast. You've got, I'm sure, you've got some fond memories of, of those days with Macca. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wasn't. I was a very quiet kid. I, was, I still am. Very, very few people know my outgoing personality, but. Everyone else sees me as this quiet, just let alone kid. And um, when people used to say, oh, who are you associated with and everything, I used to say Robert Howard and all that. But one big name I used to throw out, and I loved to throw it out, was John McDermott. And they said, oh, my God, he's um, he's like the god of um, Greyhound um, race calling and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's, there's a lot of fond memories. Um, one of my favourite memories was we'll go into – Musselbrook um, Greyhounds and um, we had this van and it was this old bus at the time it was our first like big van that we used to we got around and we arrived at the um the track and we had to go through this other gate because it wouldn't fit under the um the shelter where you pay in and we've got got let through and I think um the cystic fibrosis team were sort of sponsoring some races there they were the major sponsor sponsor for the meeting and um I think Macca oh, got, got out of the bus and went to pay. Yeah, and I was on crutches. I, I strained some ligaments in my ankle and stuff. And so I was on crutches hobbling around. And you know how Macca got around. He was hobbling around as he got a bit older. And um, we went to go pay for our thing. And they said, oh, no, you don't have to pay because you're part of the cystic fibrosis um, support crew. <laughs> like you're, you're the sponsor of the race, so you don't have to pay to get through. Me and Macca just looked at ourselves and started laughing. And, well, yeah, because we're just hobbling around. Being, uh, yeah, but, Mac, a, but Macca ended up coming back to the bus because I was driving and and uh, he come back <laughs> and he said, oh, the bloke just said to me, he said, oh, you don't have to pay today. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've got to pay. And he said, no, he said, you're with the cystic fibrosis. He said, you don't have to pay. And then Macca made out that he wasn't with us. <laughs> <laughs> he said he thought you were with he the cystic. He thought you were with the cystic. He never said us. <laughs> <laughs> One of the nicest, nicest men. I, I had the privilege of working with Macca for, you know, 25 or 30 years, obviously through Sky and, and uh, through 2KY. And, and I concur with everything you guys say about him. Just one of the loveliest, loveliest men that you would ever meet in your life. Georgia, I'm sure he'd be very proud of you. Obviously, you're going to have a, great, a connection to Greyhound Racing for the rest of your life. But it's not your primary ambition, from what I'm led to believe. You're keen on joining the police force. Yeah, so I'm at a 50-50 at the moment, whether to go more towards the police force or go something in more animal care and veterinary services. That sort of things, because I've had some knee problems with surgeries and I've had a bit of back issues, so I'm kind of contemplating whether that will be the best path for me, whether I want to have a, a short career in the police force and kind of pay for it when I'm a bit older and start feeling the... Um, the joints a bit more, well, more than I am at the moment, but I'm only 18. I'm still already, <laughs> I'm already feeling the joints and, you know, I, I know when the rain's coming because my body aches. I, <laughs> and, um, I know how that feels, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it sounds a bit silly because I'm so young, but it just, it happens. I've had a lot of sporting um, injuries and like I'm pretty hefty on the sport. I used to train seven days a week with netball, taekwondo and all that kind of stuff. But um. Yeah, so I've started to look more down the avenue of some sort of animal care veterinary service. Robbie, we're, we're all proud of our daughters uh, and our grandchildren and all that. Um, tell me, what sort of a student is Georgia as far as taking advice 
from from you and Tina are concerned? Yeah, well, Tina's not in view at the moment, but um, we can both say that she's pretty headstrong. Like she likes to um, how can I put it? <laughs> you you can advise her to do things, but I mean, she's very she's de very determined to better herself in anything she does. Um, and but you know, she's got her ways, and she's a bit like me. And well, Tina would back this up. I, exactly. I, like I get my mind set on things and I'm hard to change. If I think, I, you know, I'm right and they're wrong and, and and sometimes Georgia will say, you know, no, I'm doing it this way. And I say, oh, okay, right on. Well, learn you, from your mistakes you, sometimes you learn, or you look like the best trainer in the world. If you don't, Mark, if you don't make mistakes in life, you never learn. Exactly um, right, mate. And, and dog racing is exactly the same. If you got a smooth sailing, I mean, it's different to 30 years ago, 37 years ago when I started. Uh, training. I mean, I was in it before then, but you know, like when we were knocking around with Maxie Holmes and and people like that with Mac, it was like we used to train the dogs up the beach. You know, like it was all beach work mainly and free golfing and swimming and and you know, dogs back then were racing twice a day. You know, like but now things have just changed and you know, if you get if you get a run a week out of the dogs now, you you're going good. You sure are, Georgia. Uh, continue good luck with your career, uh, whether it's staying in Greyhound Racing and doing the, the vet work or whether you join the police force. Uh, Robbie, thank you for uh, for joining as well on Behind the Boxes. Um, you've done a great job with, with Georgia as far as a human being is concerned, but also obviously by imparting your knowledge on it. Uh, as I say, good luck with the future. Many more winners to come. And let's hope we see your name up in headlights again. Thank you Thanks, very Mark. much. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, guys. Robbie and Georgia Howard, they're joining us on Behind the Boxes. And after this break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk with Nick Babos and also Stephen Bowes from Greyhound Racing New South Wales. More importantly, we're going to have what's hot and what's not. And welcome back to this week's edition of Behind the Boxes. Well, as we all know, the Million Dollar Chase is the richest Greyhound race in the world, but... The second richest greyhound race in the world will take place at the Meadows in December with the inaugural running of the Phoenix, which offers $750,000 to the winner. Now, the concept is based loosely on the thoroughbred race, the Everest, where businesses and individuals pitch to buy one of the slots available. And in the case of the Phoenix, they were $75,000 per slot. Now, the successful slot holders were Greyhound Racing New South Wales, the New South Wales GBOTA, Racing Queensland, Ray Border, SEN, Sportsbet, Tabcorp and the Dogs WA. Joining us now to discuss the Phoenix and how we're Greyhound Racing New South Wales are going to decide which dog will represent us is the General Manager of Commercial and Marketing, Nick Babos. Nicky, welcome along to Behind the Boxes. Firstly, can you tell us why Greyhound Racing New South Wales decided to pitch for a slot, given that it's a race conducted by an interstate jurisdiction and to many, a race club that's in competition to us here in New South Wales. Well, first of all, g'day Duke, g'day Butler. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been loving uh, the work you guys are doing, particularly hearing from uh, all the participants. I, I loved uh, the Lils last week, Team Brewer, Mick Hardman, it's been fantastic. And um, you know, now you've got Mestrov and Billet out of the way. It was clearly <laughs> time to get a bit of uh, genuine Class. talent from uh, HQ. Uh, so thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, look, we're absolutely uh, thrilled to have got our slot for the Phoenix. Um, it's an interesting question. I, I think the view from the team has been it's a positive thing when 
the industry is so healthy. You know, we've had the million dollar chase. This Phoenix concept, as you said, mate, the Everest has been a huge success. Um, we see this being equally successful. I think the team at um, uh, the Meadows and Ash Baker and selecting, you know, a wide variety of uh, slot holders have done the industry a great um, uh, favour there in terms of, you know, we've got representation, two slots here in New South Wales, uh, Racing Queensland, Dogs WA, Ray Border down in South Australia. There's a reason, a real reason now for participants around the country to get behind this race. And, you know, from my perspective, if you look at um, all sports, you know, the, the healthier and stronger the competition, you know, the better the product, the, the more interest spans, wagering outcomes. So, um, you know, I think um, you've got to take a bit of that sort of state of origin flavour into it too. You know, as you said, 1.1 million bucks in prize money up for grabs, 750 to the winner. Uh, you know, New South Wales wants a big chunk of that. Um, so, you know, in, as far as interest goes, um, you know, I think the New South Wales um, industry, um, we're really going to target a new audience here, uh, give them a reason to follow a, a New South Wales dog um, and, and, a, and a New South Wales trainer in the race. Um, so, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're thrilled. I don't see, I think competition's healthy and we want to be a part of it. And Nick, one of the criterias for winning a slot would was the holder would promote the race. How will Graham Racing New South Wales do that without cannibalising its own product? Yeah, um, a, a fair question too, Bella. Um, from our perspective, you know, it was really disappointing for the Million Dollar Chase to be postponed. Um, you know, that sets things up for a, a big autumn race carnival actually next year, which will be exciting uh, from a promotional point of view. But this actually fills, the Phoenix fills a void in the calendar, to be honest. Um, so we'll get right behind that. Um, in terms of cannibalising the product, it's interesting when we talk to our wagering partners, they are firmly of the belief that, um, to use their phrase, it's kind of like more is more. Um, so the more racing that's going on, um, the more interest there is. Um, and that'll only drive positive outcomes for all jurisdictions and particularly us here in New South Wales. And we haven't quite landed on what the selection process will be, Battler, but um, you know we've chatted about a few ideas there. But um, one thing that's sure and for certain, if we go down the path of um, a race series to select the dog, um, you know Wayne Billett and his racing ops team have proven um, through several lockdowns that there's no problem in terms of us fitting in a series that won't disrupt the um, the other racing program that's uh, already in place. So. Um, yeah, no, I don't think there'll be an issue with cannibalisation. I think it'll just add to the excitement of um, what's happening at the time. Nicky, on a personal basis, I have to admit, I, I was quite surprised that the New South Wales GBOTA actually pitched for a slot as well, and they were successful, given that the New South Wales GBOTA is basically funded by uh, GRNSW. Um, now, I'm assuming that they will probably run a qualifying series at Wentworth Park. Hopefully, we'll be back there sooner rather than later, but it to me, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if they run a series and we run a series or Greyhound Racing New South Wales run a series as well. So when you're looking at strategies, what are you, what are you thinking about coming up with when it comes time for GRNSW to select the Greyhound that represents them? Look, firstly, um, you know, I don't know what the G-Bots are up to, but I think it's fantastic for New South Wales to have another slot there um, and give another dog and another trainer an opportunity to, um, to win that prize money. But from our perspective, as I said at the start, this is about as much about attracting a new audience. And um, hopefully you guys have seen over the past couple of years that we've created some um, 
fantastic partnerships with the likes of News Corp and the Daily Telegraph. And we intend to, to leverage those partnerships. I mean, the Daily Telegraph is the people's paper and, and we'll use the people's paper to identify the people's dog. Um, and it's about giving New South Wales fans of Greyhound Racing a reason to support the, the Phoenix. And I've got no doubt that we'll have, um, you know, we've got not short on ideas on, on how we'll select the dog, whether it be, you know, a panel of experts, there's plenty of those at, at, at head office, um, whether it's the race series, we'll identify a dog that we can all get behind. And in the, along the way, we'll be telling the stories about the dogs involved, the trainers behind uh, those dogs. And from my point of view, I think it's um, as much about the story to the, to the um, final of the Phoenix for us um, as it is about um, anything else, really. Nikki, we'll wait with bated breath for that announcement, which will naturally come right here on Behind the Boxes in the next couple of weeks. But where all the big stories are broken, Jude. <laughs> absolutely right, including what's hot and what's not coming up shortly. Hey, Nick, you've been with Greyhound Racing New South Wales now for around three years as the General Manager of Commercial and Marketing. Apart from enjoying a punt, you, you basically come from a non-racing background as far as your business uh, life is concerned. What was it that initially attracted you to the position at Greyhound Racing New South Wales? Yeah, Duke, I'd been at, um, at News Corp for coming up on 10 years and always working on sport across commercial products. And, and my, my last role there was around um, sports marketing. And uh, it was time for a change and, and time for a challenge. And in my role there, I'd, I'd worked directly with the likes of the AFL, Cricket Australia, NRL, um, any big World Cups or Olympics, Commonwealth Games. There was nothing that was jumping out that was particularly exciting um, in any of those um, organisations. I say that respectfully. I think, you know, they've got what would be considered best practice across the board in those sort of tier one sports, understandably. But um, the opportunity came about, the great Tony Mestrov and I actually worked together many years ago. I sat next to him in a little sports marketing company um, when we first established our friendship. And when he was asking would I be interested in joining Greyhound Racing New South Wales, uh, at first I was like, oh, that's probably not for me. I mean, as you say, Duke, I, I worked on our racing products at, uh, at, at, at News and was across the acquisition of punters and, and RaceNet from a marketing perspective, but not no idea really when it comes to the ins and outs of, of Greyhound Racing like you guys know. Um, so there was just the, it was the challenge and, and which I saw as a real opportunity. I mean, Greyhound Racing is in a real rebuild, exciting rebuild um, phase, um, and I've loved I've loved every day. But um, you know, it's it's a complex industry. There's many stakeholders, um, but there's so much room for improvement. And and I've seen that in terms of what we've achieved on the racing side of the business, and also what we've achieved with Greyhounds as pets. Um, it's been exciting working um, with the likes of Tim Cahill, and and recently. Um, Brian Pappenhausen coming on board. Um, we've got a campaign coming up that features those two guys and Jess Fox and Paralympian Reed McCracken. Um, you know, three years ago, it would be hard to imagine you'd be sort of rattling off that list of names. We actually had a Zoom call yesterday with um, Tim Cahill and we we're taking him through that particular campaign that's about to launch. And he was saying, you know, do you remember guys three years ago when we were going around the grounds with the launch for his uh, ambassador role. And everyone was like, Greyhounds, you know, really? Um, and, you know, the experience, I just say this from my own personal experience, you know, I can't get up to the cafe here in, uh, at home and, uh, and not see a Greyhound walking around the streets. And um, 
I really do think, you know, the hard work um, from the industry and, and, and Tony and the team to change the way that people um, perceive greyhound racing and greyhounds as pets, um, we've come a long way. Um, and that's something I'm really proud of. And, you know, it was what attracted me to the role and, and why I'm loving the role. Um, there's still some work to be done. Um, and I'm, you know, keen to be a part of it and, uh, and, and enjoy it. And, and Nick, you've been a big, big part of all of those initiatives you've just mentioned, but you're a big part of uh, securing free-to-air coverage for the Million Dollar Chase on Channel 9 last year. It was a raging success. Over 800,000 viewers tuned in for the big one. Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? You know, like, um, you guys know better than me, but who'd have thought um, if you, five years ago to say we'll be on um, primetime coverage on Nine's main channel in the NRL prelim, you know, the Jewel of the Crown for Channel 9. Uh, and the coverage was seamless. Um, you know, all the research we do, we know that NRL fans are the same fans who are, are punting on greyhounds. And, um, and it goes back to what we're saying around acceptance. Um, yeah, so for me, it was a real thrill actually seeing the Million Dollar Chase live cross um, off the back of uh, Storm and Canberra, I think it was. And, um, you know, I, I, that just spoke volumes for the work that's been done over the past few years, the hard work that's been done by everyone. Um, and we've got some exciting um, new partnerships coming up next year. Um, we'll be building on that. It's only um, it's only getting bigger and better, Battler. Um, and, yeah, like, really exciting. The perception of greyhounds is changing in the marketplace, Nick, as you say, like, with our, our GAP program um, ambassadors, Ryan Pappenhaus and Timmy Kale, Jess Fox doing a great job for it as well. But we also know that wagering is booming, uh, in particularly in greyhound racing in New South Wales. Some of the figures that we're turning over are basically astronomical. And it, it comes off the back, obviously, of a pandemic. People have less entertainment options. They've got less avenues to spend their money and they, they, they are turning to wagering. Hopefully, they're doing it in a responsible way. But... You spoke about concepts and initiatives. Um, what else can we expect to see in the future? Is syndication high on the books there? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about syndication for some time. And um, the thing that I'm, I'm learning around syndication is it's it's really complex. You know, it's not as simple as um, just saying we're going to do it and setting it up. Um, there's a lot of uh, legal um, boxes to tick. Um, and, yeah, so we're committed to that. I think... Um, you know, you think about new audiences and, and what can be achieved with uh, greyhound racing versus the thoroughbreds. I mean, Ryan Pappenhausen said it himself, you know, it's just a much more affordable option. And in terms of the, you know, why the product is doing so well, I mean, the racing is on, the frequency and volume of racing that's on. And during a pandemic, when people are looking for entertainment, the races won and run and won in 30 seconds, you know, and why it's so popular to the 18 and 35 year olds, you know, you're picking a number, you're picking a box, you're picking a name, um, and you're getting that, uh, you know, 30 seconds and you're done. Um, so what's coming up in terms of innovation? I'm really excited about the racing program to start uh, next year, basically from the, from the Megastar, Adapto's Megastar through to Million Dollar Chase. There's plenty of racing coming up. We've got some exciting initiatives with our media partners. Um, probably not much more I can say there, but, um, you know, the only thing I'd say to anyone who's listening out there in terms of what we're doing is we're having a red hot crack, you know, so we're pushing the, the boundaries wherever we can um, to do more in that innovation space. Um, so, yeah, that's probably, um, probably what's happening there, mate. 
Well, Nicky, you've broken yeah. your maiden status on uh, behind the boxes. I've got to tell you, mate, you've been you've been excellent. Only because you signed the invoices that I put in there. So. <laughs> yeah, too good, you, Duke Loss, too good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, mate. So, mate, I'd, again, when we when it comes to making that announcement uh, in regards to the Phoenix, I'd like you to come back on and 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 do that with us here on behind the boxes because uh, it is again, it's a life changing amount of money, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the winner. Yeah, fantastic, Duke. I'd love to come back on and, um, yeah, the, 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 we'll be banging our heads together over the course of the next week and it shouldn't be too far um, away that we can announce what we're doing there to select that dog. All right, Nick Babos, thank you very much. The General, Money, uh, General Manager of Commercial and Marketing at GRNSW. And, mate, we'll speak with you shortly here on Behind the Boxes. Thanks for having me on, guys. Loving the show. Well, from one department of head office at Greyhound Racing New South Wales to another, and as everyone in the industry knows the importance of a dog's diet, and whilst it is essential to feed your racing greyhounds the best, sometimes it can be an extremely draining exercise on the pocket. Now, recently, Greyhound Racing New South Wales has teamed up with the food supplier Real Pet Foods in a partnership deal that is aimed at benefiting our clubs and our participants, and the man responsible for driving this strategy is Stephen Bowes, the Commercial Partnership Manager for GRNSW. Stephen, welcome to Behind the Boxes. Firstly, how does the industry and the particular race clubs benefit from the partnership deal with Real Pet Foods? G'day guys, how are you going? Look, it's um, the partnership with Real Pet Food is, is essentially giving participants an opportunity to purchase uh, kibble, a good quality kibble at a reduced price. Um, You've got the availability of consistent food there and the convenience of picking it up at the, the track, the club as well. And, and Stephen, you were previously employed by Real Pet Foods. Um, so you've got obviously a, a, an in-depth knowledge of all of the products. What, what range of products are available to uh, participants? Look, guys, we wanted to simplify. So we've gone with um, four, four products, three kibbles and, and one biscuit. So you've got... The ivory coat brand in, in whole grain, which is um, low protein, low fat. You've got a, a Stockman and Paddock kibble that's um, down the middle, a good everyday food. And you've got the ivory coat grain free, which is a high protein, high fat. So it gives uh, all participants a chance to mix their meats as they normally do um, and to, to vary protein and fat contents for their dogs. Also got Stockman and Paddock biscuits as well, which are two by two biscuits, which um, the industry is pretty, um, pretty on board with those as well. Stephen, which clubs currently stock the, the real pet food products and moving forward, is the plan to have them available at virtually every race club across New South Wales? Yeah, so at the moment you've got Richmond and Dapto that have currently got stock. You can purchase it from the club right now, this today. Uh, Goulburn have just placed their order, so they'll have it within a week or two. And there's, there are there is a criteria to, to be met, so it is available to all clubs. And, and my role will be to speak to all clubs to to give them the opportunity to to come on board and to do it if they require. Um, so yeah, moving forwards, there will be a number of clubs that if they're able to do it, they will do it. And Stephen, how do how do participants you know get their hands on the products? Do they contact the club directly? Can they do it online? What what's the actual process? So, like I said, Dapto and Richmond they can purchase it right now. Uh, any other clubs for participants? Uh, speak to your clubs. Um, 
they will then come back to myself and inform myself. So like a lot of us, um, lockdown's been a, been a bit of an issue, so I haven't been able to get out to all clubs and present to. Um, but definitely for participants to um, let, let their clubs know about their interest. And, um, and between myself and clubs, we'll, we'll contact each other and, and work out if it's um, feasible for all of them. Stephen, the, uh, the partnership itself, it's, it's not just for our participants, our racing greyhounds and the clubs, obviously, but it also extends to our, our GAP program, our, our greyhounds as pets as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a huge boost for the GAP. Uh, for, for GAP. It's um, Real Pet Food have committed to supplying uh, food for all GAP facilities. So you've got um, a consistent food all the way through from, um, from essentially racing all the way through to, a, to adoption. Um, and we've also got the, the availability of all adopted or fostered greyhounds going home with a, a welcome pack, which includes the food that they were fed um, within the GAP facility. So there's a real streamlined process of, of the food, which is a major part to, to um, all new dogs going out. All right, so it's good food. It's real pet food. And for any of our participants who would like to buy either the kibble or the 2B2 biscuits, get in touch with the club, as Steve has just said. Uh, Dapdo and Richmond are stocking it. Goulburn is next on board. So if you live in a region which uh, you can't get to those tracks or you can't order it from those tracks, let the club know. The club will then in turn let Steve know. Mate, thank you very much for joining us here on Behind the Boxes. And let's hope this Real Pet Foods partnership uh, continues on for many years. Thanks for your time, guys. Yeah, it will. And, um, yeah, please um, go out and uh, speak to clubs about it. Stephen Bowes there from Greyhound Racing New South Wales with the Real Pets Food, Real Pet Foods Partnership. Battler, our favourite part of the podcast, the vidcast, whatever you want to call it. What's hot? What's not? There's plenty happening. What is hot for you this week? Oh, well, there's only one what's hot for me this week. We've highlighted her on this show a little uh, little while back, but, gee, Miss Esme at Richmond on Sunday evening, Duke, uh, Duke Wowie, breaking the track record over the 717 metres, and what a race. What a race. Super Estrella and Miss Esme. It was a good old-fashioned match race in the end. They just cleared out and they had it between them, and she knuckled down in the latter stages, reeling in Super Estrella, who was bold in defeat and she actually broke the track track record previous track record in finishing runner up uh blue Lorien's record was set in i think 2011 so it was a 10 year old record but oh boy oh boy she is a talent first up over the uh, over the half mile she'd uh broken the track records over the middle journey at dubbo and bathurst in the last what six or eight weeks and uh she is a star on the rise duke and I got thinking, I don't think we've had such a talented group of probably young stayers in New South Wales. I'd nearly go back a decade or two, Duke, and I'm sure you've had a bit of a think about this. We've, at the moment, we've got uh, Miss Esme, Super Estrella. Um, you've got well, Ice Cream Story, who was, who was gallant when finishing behind Stanley Road in a 600 last Friday at Richmond when they both rang very quick time. Uh, now she might get up to the the, the uh, seven hundred ice cream story. And, you know we've got Stanley Road, a dual Group One winner, zipping the secos on the comeback trail. She'll go around at Dapdo on Saturday night. I'll tell you what, it's a 
top bunch of stays at the moment. It is, and, and you often find it, it comes in waves to me. Um, if you look back, as say, if you go back 10 years, you go back 20 years, I go back obviously a lot longer than that. Um, I remember the days of Woolly Wong and Miss Hilo and uh, Cabernossi and dogs like that. You go to Harold Park, there would be an invitation every Saturday night. And such was the quality of the dog invariably you had a different winner each week. Mm. Yeah, and, and I didn't mention Bar Sandy, who won at the Gardens on Friday. Prim and proper, she's still racing really well. It's just, you know, when we all get back, when we get back to Weddy, uh, gee, I think we're in for some really, really good races. And we've got the Sydney Cup coming up, Duke. So it could be a Sydney Cup for the ages this year. I can't wait to see them all come together because, you know, the, 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 the likes of Ice Cream Story and Miss Esma, I think they're going to be suited to Wentworth Park, uh, you know, particularly Ice Cream Story getting up to the 700 if they do go that way. And you've got Stanley Road, a back marker. I think we're going to have some mouth-watering clashes in the next uh, probably six or 12 months, Duke. Yeah, the only one to have actually done it is Stanley Road. Of course, he won the Group mm. 1 Association Cup there earlier this year. So... He's been there. He's done that. The mm. others have to prove themselves. Miss Esme running that track record battler at Richmond. I'll tell you what's hot for me. Another track record. Cash View for, uh, for Robbie Cook runs 25.01 at Grafton on Sunday night. As we, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you see some greyhounds that just literally grow a leg when they get to a track that they love. And that is simply the case with Cash View, we, we've known that he's got enormous abilities, run 29-7 on it at Albion Park a couple of times, but he has taken to uh, that new Grafton circuit like a duck to water. So he now holds that track record at 25.01. The other thing that's hot for me, again, staying in the Northern Rivers area, is trainer Keith Bowen. Uh, and at Lismore on Tuesday night, he had four winners and two Quinellas. I'm I don't know. I'm assuming it probably has been uh, one of Keith's biggest nights in Greyhound Racing to train those winners and Quinellas. More importantly, and, and incidentally, Timmy, that all four of his winners uh, by Fernando Bale out of Lady Olivia. No shock there, Fernando Bale. Uh, sorry, more winners, that's for sure, Duke. But that, that's a really, really good training performance. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about Keith, but I would, I, like you, you suggested, I'd say it's probably one of... Uh, his biggest nights in the game, four winners. You know, you, know, you just like to go to the track and come home with one win, let alone four. Yeah. But now that's some some performance. And just going back to to Cash View, that, that was that was a staggering win. Actually, he, he was moderately away, and then he just let go mid race. And what about the last forty or fifty? Didn't he find the line like a runaway freight train? It'd be interesting where. Robbie goes with him now. I know he will be eligible, I think, by 12 or 13 days for the upcoming Vic Peters at Whitworth Park. Of course, the Lismore Cup is on the horizon. Blacktop's only a few weeks away. So these feature races, we've had a lull here in New South Wales with the, the Million Dollar Chase, uh, you know, being put back to next year. So these big races will, will begin in the next few race, uh, next few weeks. It'll be uh, interesting to see where some of these dogs sort of go, but I'd imagine we'll probably see Cashew back in Sydney. And of course, he did go around at Winnie Park earlier on the year in a heat of the National Derby. Yeah, and Cookie's got him in at Albion Park on uh, Thursday night. Uh, he's drawn box two there in race seven. As we say, we, he's already run uh, smart time there. Uh, Battle, i tell you what's not hot. For me, also, a couple of things here totally related to Greyhound Racing. No, they're not. They're totally related to <laughs> me and a few others. Uh, moving house, right? Seriously, the lowest job ever, right? I hate it, right? 
in the process of it right now. And the other thing, right, I'm, I'm tell you what, I'm not enjoying uh, Facebook Marketplace. So obviously moving to Grafton, I've decided to get rid of a few things. Honestly, mate, it is a haven for nutters, believe me. Uh, this could become Jürgen Battler's whinge, not just what's, <laughs> what, what's not. Uh, look, uh, moving house, yeah, fortunately, I'm settled now where I am, uh, uh, where we are. For uh, We've been here nearly four years, but prior to that, oh, look, I concur. I moved around Sydney five or six times in about five or six years. Without a shadow of a doubt, the lowest, yeah. lowest job on the planet. And... I do remember the first time I moved, I um I went in and borrowed the Sky Sky Racing, the van they had there. And uh, my old man come down from Newcastle and helped me uh, move. And I was in a one-bedroom unit back then. And that was enough for me. I haven't really moved myself since. I've always got the removalists in. So big tick to those blokes. Whatever it costs, you just got to get the removalists in. I hope you did or... You didn't, didn't see I, it and do it all uh, yourself, did you? Please. I, I'm happy to pay the 132 an hour, right? <laughs> and let me tell you, there'll be a little bit extra for him as well going from Palm Beach to, to Grafton. Uh, now, Battler, the rumour file, massive, massive feedback last week about the rumour file. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for the stitch up. Hey, listen, the rumour is... Wenty's coming back sooner rather than later. You're in the operations team at Greyhound Racing New South Wales. This is like having a mole within the organisation. <laughs> I say that in the nicest possible way. Yeah, Duke. Yeah, I've been caught a lot worse in my uh, time. Don't worry about that. Hey? In the club. Now, listen, uh, is there uh, any truth to this rumour? Uh, yes. Right. Yes, we can confirm that rumour is spot on. Trialling at Whitworth Park will recommence uh, next week. Uh, the first meeting slated for Weddy to return as a racing venue is Wednesday, September 29. Of course, Duke, we are still in, uh, you know, it's a fluid situation here in, in New South Wales and things do change sometimes hourly, but daily or weekly. So, you know, you just got to monitor that and and, and, and everyone can just keep an eye on the calendars and any and announcements. But yeah, at this stage, uh, racing back September 29, Wednesday midweek and uh, trialing's recommencing at wedding next week. So that's really good news. I, I think we're all looking forward to, to, to tuning in on a Wednesday and Saturday night, you know, the best greyhounds in the state getting back to wedding. It's just got that extra oomph to it, hasn't it, when Wendy's on and, and, and all of the good dogs going around. Yeah, and, and there were a number of other rumours that we were going to bring up today, but legals haven't got back to us tonight. So um, I'm going to protect us a little bit there. We're and, not going to go there. We're not going uh, to we, we might have more on that uh, next week. Now, listen, our dogs to follow have been going really well. Bar Sandy won last week at the gardens. Uh, Give yourself a wrap. Absolutely, mate. I've got it because you won't. <laughs> no, and no one else will either. $1.70 off the red, right? Are you kidding? That was still should have had that mask on. Oh, we do wear masks. Sorry, you know, I mean the mask that covers your eyes. Uh, what is your dog to follow this week? Uh, Springview Magic. Uh, now this guy, he's in the care of Mick Hardman, who we had on the show four or five weeks ago. Uh, he came through the Magic uh, Maiden uh, over the Golden Easter Egg Carnival at Whitworth Park. He, he won a heat of that series. Uh, and he actually semi-final and made it to the final. Uh, look, now he went down to Melbourne for a couple of runs. He's back in the care of Mick Hardman and he 
Uh, one at Dapto last Saturday night, straight to the lead, running 29.70-odd leading all of the way. Now he ran 5.30 opening fraction. Now they don't go much quicker around Dapto. He didn't begin all that brilliantly, but he's got that high uh, cruising speed in the early and mid stages. And I, I, I love leaders. I love those greyhounds have got that high speed early on, Duke, because they're going to win more often than not. Uh, now I'm sure Mick will probably target the Group 1 Vic Peters uh, at Weddy Park next month. Uh, he has run 29.65 around Weddy. So, look, I, I think he's a, he's a dog who will race through the grades and we're going to see him in, in group company over the next year or so for mine. Springview All Magic. Right. All right. I am heading to Newcastle and I'm going to have a greyhound by the name of Mickey Do as my dog to follow. Anyone who's got an interest in, in chases, obviously, around New South Wales, particularly uh, from the gardens and the Hunter Valley, they know this dog. He's only a young one. He's uh, had 10 starts now, seven wins and two minors uh, by Aston DB out of Sally Do. He's uh, owned by Luke Murrell, who's obviously well-known in the thoroughbred industry as far as his syndication company is concerned, but he's also had success in greyhound racing prepared by mark davidson no stranger to having a good dog in his kennels and timmy i know you know this dog mm. as well as what i do uh, you go back four starts here in 29:33 at the gardens beating a dog uh by the name of aston reward and he only just got in that day won by 11 and three quarter lengths he is a chaser with enormous ability uh, he is. He's got a massive engine, and I don't know him really well. Uh, actually, I know Dave, Mark Davidson. He's trained a few greyhounds for me over the years. But Mickey Do, he was actually getting set for the Grafton Maiden, but uh, he, he did a little injury in a trial in the lead up to that series, so they had to pull the pin. Um, yeah, he he he's capable of running uh, staggering figures when he's when he's uh, when he does put it all together. I did chat to the guys uh, earlier. Uh, he is. Looking at the blacktop at this stage, uh, targeting the blacktop, depending how things, you know, work out, whether they then uh, go up to Lismore for the Lismore Cup or if he happened, didn't happen to get through to the blacktop final, you could then go to the Vic Peters. So a little bit to play out as far as Mickey Do's preparation is concerned, but I know they are looking at the blacktop and that that is Davo's uh, hometown uh, feature race. So it would have been a hell of a lot to take out that one, but it, it's great to see uh, Luke Murrell and the team at Australian Bloodstock get a, get a good dog because... I'll tell you what, they put their hand in the pocket uh, a number of times to, to, to buy dogs and they've been in the game now for a number of years and it's really good to see them get a really good one. And and Mark, and they actually had a little bit of success recently with Let's See. She, uh, she was a, a stay and she she yep. travelled around uh, the country actually contesting uh, the big races. So yeah, good to see they've got another one here. They, they picked it up after uh, it had one run at the gardens over a four, over the 400 metres. Uh, I know they've got a, an astute judge who, who does uh, tip them into dogs and um yeah it's been a really good bite a really good find yeah he is a greyhound as i say with a stack of ability 29 three a couple of times at the gardens now and he's the sort of dog you would love to see go to wendy so let's hope that that rumor is true and uh, let's hope mickey do continues on his winning way if you want to get in touch with us here at behind the boxes there is the email address there btb at grnsw.com.au but as always simmy we end the week with what is Battler Board Online? Now, you actually sent me a photo of the espresso martinis that you were making on Saturday night for poor, and there they are on, on screen now. They actually look quite good, but I, I as I said, yeah, 
I would have preferred a little bit more froth, but tell me, the proof was in the pudding. How did they taste? I actually forgot I sent you that photo. I don't know how many of them during the afternoon. <laughs> tell uh, you if you got given by the messages that followed that photo, yeah. <laughs> no, they were actually quite good. Uh, Paula enjoyed them. They were better than the first week. Um, I sent a little photo. Have from you converted? Have you, are you, or not? I have actually, yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. They were stronger, uh, caffeine wise. Uh, yeah, so I am, I am slowly converting. So uh, yeah, we 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 had two or three of those. I uh, had a barbecue on. It was a beautiful day in Sydney on on Saturday. I think we hit thirty degrees. Even even well, I didn't get in, but the kids jumped into the pool. Too cold for me. I did have the heater on, but it didn't, it didn't oh heat it up. It didn't heat it up quick enough for me to jump in. But yeah, uh, they got another. They got another run, and you know, you might, we're still in lockdown here, so they might even get a run this coming Saturday, Duke. We'll aim up again, eh? Well, I've been fervently buying online. I, Bunnings has been a recipient yeah. of a lot of money of mine as I head south to Grafton. Uh, so, have you bought anything this week, Butler? No, no, very quiet. Very oh. quiet this week. I might have to uh, to have a look. You know, I mentioned last week the Kogan, the Kogan messages. Yeah. It's been the favourite website, but no, uh, no, very quiet this week. So I might have to have a look over the next few days and bring something to the show next week, eh? Well, it has been a big show. Nick Babos was on along with Stephen Bowes from Greyhound Racing New South Wales, Georgia, and Rob Howard. We hope you have enjoyed behind the boxes this week. Uh, as we say, we. We're moving into that time of the year where hopefully, as I say, we return to Wentworth Park. The big races are coming up. We've got the Phoenix in uh, in Melbourne in December and uh, obviously GRNSW. We're going to be putting our heads together there to, to work out how we select the Greyhound $750,000 going to the winner of that event. Battler, once again, thank you for your, uh, your input here on Behind the Boxes. I'll catch you next week from the new Grafton studio too. Oh, it's been a pleasure and a lot of fun. And gee, Grafton, what a life you've got! What a life you'll be sitting. Yeah, I got a, I've got. A, I can tell you this: I've got a pool there, but it's not heated. So I know it's oh. traveling best between you and I. <laughs> uh, no, it was already on the here oh. when we got here. So I, yeah, I have. No, I don't think if anything goes wrong with that one, I don't think I'll be. I'll be just jumping. It won't be heated. Believe me. Uh, believe me. Swimming pool, swimming pool. But hey, mate, catch you next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Duke. Tada. And thank you for your company here on Behind the Boxes this week. And as I say, next week, another big show coming up. A very special guest that we will let you know via social media throughout the week. But until next week, I'm Mark Duclos. Bye for now. Thank you.